30 years ago, a fallen star from the planet Redbone landed on Earth. That star was the hero our planet couldn't avoid due to its love of miscegenation, Mulatto Man. His super speed, strength, and heightened senses caused him to be the model minority. His only weakness being his own emotions and sense of superiority, causing him to be both loved and loathed by those he wishes to protect. With the power to make people uncomfortable depending on how curly his hair is and his light-skinned niggerosity, Mulatto Man protects those black, white, and in between. Look over there. It's a Puerto Rican. It's a spray-tanned Italian from Jersey Shore. No, it's Mulatto Man. In this episode, we join our hero, Mulatto Man, in the middle of a cornfield in rural Decorah, Iowa. An untested coronavirus vaccine has hit the scene, damaging people's skin and causing confusion around the country. Mulatto Man suspects this to be the doing of his arch-nemesis, Mind Your Business. From research, he found that the main ingredient to this concoction is corn syrup. After going to six Iowa corn farms, Mulatto Man's search has hit a standstill. Forlorn and frustrated, Mulatto Man must put a stop to manual business and his new serm once and for all. Our hero approaches a farmer to convince him not to sell his cornfield to mind your business. Will Mulatto Man's super ability to ask more questions than white people and be nosy like a nigga pay off? Please don't rob me. Listen, my What name are is... you, a Hindu or one of the mixed breeds from Des Moines? No, I'm Mulatto Man. Look, Vishnu, I'm a libertarian and I didn't even vote this year. Please leave me to my corn. I'll leave you to your corn after you talk to me about... Unless you got the coin to buy kernels by the acre, my corn don't want no parts of you, boy. I'm not here for cows, bitches, or kernels. There's an evil villain ripping off poor, defenseless, rural farmers such as yourself. Corn's here been too. my whole life. When I'm in those cornfields, I think of my daddy. Sounds special. Special? Ain't nothing was special about seeing your daddy drink a whole bunch of hooch ready to knock out anything with a heart ticking. Them cornfields was my only sanctuary. I'm sorry to hear that. It sounds traumatic. You have any close friends you can talk to about this? I ain't been able to focus on my work since Darlene left. Is that your wife? Yes, my sister. We lived these lands our whole life. One time when we was hiding from Daddy, Darlene found a rabbit. It was the only time I'd seen Daddy smile. He knew Mama was gonna cook us a nice supper and then, um, and then some more sad stuff. Thank you for sharing. However, I really need to talk to you about Oh, yeah, your... my wife Sissy done left me because the farm ain't making money like it should. I don't know what I'm going to do without her. Uh, tears? Did you say tears? I forgot. You forgot what? Uh, I forgot to take my laxative. I'll be right back. You stay here. The farmer rushes inside, which raises suspicion to a real nigga like Mulatto Man. Laxative? That's a cap. Let me look around this bitch. Mulatto Man uses his super x-ray vision and sees what appears to be a script tucked underneath the cushions of the swinging couch on the farmer's porch. He can clearly read the exact lines the farmer just delivered to him moments ago. My sister, Vishnu, Daddy Smile. Our hero looks towards the house to use his ultra hearing to listen inside. Did he bad? Will you shut up, Darlene? Go hide back in the cellar before you ruin the plan. Where's that script that socket thug left me? 
I think I got him distracted with my story like that big-headed Negro said I would, but I forgot the last part. I don't know. You better find it, Buford. That rich moon cricket said we don't get that money unless we get Mulatto Man off his tracks by distracting him with a sad story that would appeal to his light-skinnedness. Our hero, embarrassed, and now in full-on Macy Gray afro, realized he had been played by the farmer and his sister wife. Mulatto Man loses all self-control and set it the fuck off by lighting the farmer's cornfield ablaze with the flames from his mouth. I spit hot fire, son. In an enraged fury, Mulatto Man takes off and continues his pursuit for Mind Your Business. Tune in next week for the tales of Mulatto Man. Terry McMillan's best-selling novel-turned-movie, Waiting to Exhale, is being adapted for television. The series' title is, You Bitches Ain't Dead Yet? Walmart pays the people that work on their website the same amount they do their employees, so what would you expect? After COVID, Walmart greeters went to learn how to code. Men around the world have said they weren't able to pre-order a PS5 were suffering from PMS, too. DeMar DeRozan being discussed in a trade that would send him to the Lakers, causing them to change their name to the Compton Lakers... Alex Trebek recently passed away. What is life? Rest in peace to baby boomer Bill Nye. Mitch McConnell backed Trump's decision to contest the election results. He usually doesn't stick his neck out there for anyone because it's attached to his chin. Just saw a headline that read, How Trump Went Down According to 75 Insiders. My first thought was, he don't be eating box like that. The world celebrated when Biden was announced projected winner. All this celebration is too soon. We still got to be cool with dude until the lease is up. Anyone who broke up with someone but had to stay in the house with them knows what I mean. Check on your Trump supporting friends. Like, really, make sure they ain't planning nothing. Rest in peace to the rapper King Vaughn. Check on your friends that have killed before. Lil Boosie was recently shot in the leg after attending a vigil for rapper Mo3 in Dallas. His glass jaw, however, remained unshattered. I won't lie, I am going to miss Trump just for the entertainment value. I really don't like Trump, and I want to be able to call him something... And not seeing fascists just don't do it. Fascist sounds like a direction from a black mother. Hit that light. Fix this. Fascist. And Nazi sounds like something you used to wear when you were younger, but not anymore. Like, oh, we were just looking through the scrapbook. Remember that Easter celebration? You wore that little Nazi. The blue one. I still got that little Nazi hanging up in my closet. You think you can still fit it? No. What you really want to call Trump is a nigger. Like, that will fit it, right? Like, the word that most people can't say, nigger. But the problem with calling Trump a nigger is that he would say it. He would be in the rallies like... And when I was in the White House, everyone would say, nigga, please, nigga, please. But they never say, nigga, thank you. They never say, nigga, thank you. He would have a 60-minute interview, and he would be like, everyone would say, I was the best nigger. I'm the brightest nigger. I was the realest nigger. Ain't no nigger like the one you had, and you lost him, okay? We, the realest nigger, 50 Cent and Lil Wayne, my niggas, all right? Everyone says it. Prayers up for singer Jeremiah, who was recently hospitalized with an acute case of COVID-19. We hope he don't die. Benny the Butcher got shot in Houston. Hopefully this only causes him to move around a different kind of cane. Renowned black surgeon turned Trump cabinet member Ben Carson also tested positive for coronavirus, prompting the release of his second autobiography, Cursed Lungs. 
Yo, it's Reed Clark. For the last couple of episodes, I've been playing tracks off my album. This one is uh, very important to me. It's actually a very awkward moment and uh, an important moment, pivotal moment in my uh, comedy journey. And I like to share it with people because uh, it was uh, uh, something that I feel like a lot of us could learn from, young black entertainers or any sort of creatives out there trying to do something, push the limits, not uh, just stick to the status quo. Um, so I'm going to play it, and then I kind of want to talk about it in context of some other bullshit that I still have to deal with today in comedy. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I'm, we're going to play this for you and uh, talk about it a little bit. This is the set that got me banned off the album Hotep. Clark, everybody. Big Clark. in a tough position because I was going to tell jokes about being a black man in America, but Lori took all my material. So I'm going to talk about being a middle-aged white woman. Where were IUDs when I was growing up? This damn pill makes my pussy taste like vegan milk. <laughs> you ever you ever bleed for about 45 years of your life and then stop? What's up with that? Huh? 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 What's up with that? You ever have fantasies of fucking a black guy? Huh? Yeah! You ever have, better yet, if you haven't had, there's two types of people, am I right? There's, there's two types of people, am I right? There's a person that's had a fantasy about fucking a black guy, and then there's a person that's had a fantasy about their husband letting them fuck a black guy in front of them, am I right? Come on, come on, come on. That's crazy how that white woman got to get up here and I'll applaud her for talking about nigga shit. And when I do it, I'm abrasive and angry. You know, people don't like to talk about race. But you can tell how racist someone is by the way they say black. You know what I'm saying? Uh, order coffee with one of your friends. I don't want to think I'll have it black. God damn. Wow, you said black and felt like a whip on my back. I don't. How'd you add two extra K's to black? <laughs> People don't like to talk about racism, they like to say, oh, it happened such a long, long time ago, it happened a long time ago. Well, things happen in cycles, and I don't know if you guys are aware of this uh, little hipster trend that Wilmington is doing, but every white man in here looks just like a photo book of racism, just... <laughs> Exactly like the picture of those guys that did the 1898 massacre. Every single one of you. People like to say, "Oh, it wasn't my family that did the. It wasn't my family that did the enslaving." Do you understand that certain industries have like offset industries, right? So like, there's offset industries of the pharmaceutical company. So okay, your parents didn't own slaves, but they were probably a slave catcher or a slave trainer or a slave trainer or they worked in the IT department for slaves answering calls or answering letters. I'm having a problem with my fucking slaves. Have you tried meeting him in front of his children? Yes, I tried that. Have you tried changing his name and taking his religion? Yes, I tried all of it. 
Have you tried unplugging it and plugging it back in? <laughs> Have you tried fucking him in front of all the... No. <laughs> Have you tried taking the biggest, blackest, strongest one and tying all four of the limbs to horses and beating all the horses? Have you tried that one? I guess I'll try that and call you back next week. Or whatever this Pony Express will... <laughs> That's the best slave owner voice. I'm having a problem with my fucking slave. <laughs> How come no one has ever said a white guy has played a slave master poorly? There's always a genius. <laughs> Michael Fassbender, you were from America. He did mwah. He was so evil and white. How did he pull it off? Huh? Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I was about to say some really outlandish shit to you, but I saw you were sitting next to, and I really want Miranda Slide to be. No, I, I hope Miranda Slide will be snuck in the Kugelorus, and I'm not trying to insult my way out of that. Alright, listen. Listen. Dude, that same type of voice is why Adam bit the apple. Do it, pussy! <laughs> I'm not a very religious person, but when people ask my religious beliefs, I like to speak in parables. Like, you know how they say when groups of women get together, their cycle will synchronize? That just lets me know that, that just lets me know that as a human race, we're all connected, period. Thank you. Report, everybody, report. Fuck that. 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 Fuck
What have I done? Of what? Okay, then that's fair. But don't, but what? Okay. Next comment comes to the stage. Please welcome Christian. So, set the scene for us. What was going on right before the set started? Like, why do you think other folks in the scene were uncomfortable with you talking about the black experience? All right, so that was uh, at my uh, home club where I started at a Dead Crow Comedy Club. It was called uh, Nut Street originally. The uh, host you heard was uh, Timmy Sherrill and uh, has always been, oh, I guess up until this point, like really cool with me. Started comedy uh, after dropping out of school and wanting to get into show business and stuff, but being young and black, I couldn't find like roles and stuff, but being able to go to the comedy club was straight man i really liked it like at one point timmy gave me a uh full disc set of like richard pryor's evolution like younger uh bits that he was doing when he was trying to do bill cosby then like awkward bits where he's like dying and then uh tracks were like he's crushing and doing the stuff that's on his albums that we all know and i've always felt like real encouraged by him to take chances and uh, you know, talk about my experience and whatnot, and like the the way I came up in comedy, like all those dudes would just like throw black jokes at me. So I always felt able to address my blackness in an intelligent way as a defense, and I was like just like shit talking, which I like. I appreciated that. Like when I started, everybody gave me a hard time. They they helped me find my voice, but at the same time, like would bust my balls. And I think that's what makes you a, be a good comedian. At least that's the sort of comedy that I like. But specific, like, all right, that's when I came up, like, at this point, I had already been to a couple different scenes already. Um, and I would always notice people who would leave and come back, they would be treated better, you know, like they would be getting, they would get booked on things that, like, you know, without even really trying to, like, press about it. People would show them, like, a different level of respect. So, like, I was younger, and when I got back after going to Denver and Texas for a while, it was, like, kind of new comics, you know. So then my shit-talking that I learned from the old heads wasn't sitting right, and, like, a lot of new comics I would just have problems with. Like this one person I won't name, but I'm sure like uh, has a lot to do with like why I still have reputationist problems today was uh, uh, I don't want to say her name, but um, just like a thing online where they I was doing an all female show and she was doing a class and I posted my all female show and I said and there's also a class coming up and she responded like oh these two have nothing to do with one another and like that hurt me because I feel like I had put so much into that scene at that point you know like years of uh, of like riding out with them uh, doing shows that was like my church and then I left represented where I came from always shouted out my spot and then came back and like people were also like trying I didn't feel like included in the scene and like that really hurt because comedy like white whatever I felt like I we were all in this like thing together so then it was like a series of me like lashing out about shit like that there would be little things on group chats like how do we get people to uh, to want to how do we get new comics who want to do open mics I'm like I don't, don't tell nobody to do open mic if they don't want to do it let these people work and you know just like a real 
is when I was deep into my uh, Patrice O'Neill phase. So I was uh, kind of, you know, running amok. Also, alcohol wasn't helping. So I was getting into a lot of, like, small little friction with a lot of people. And apparently, Timmy was supposed to talk to me about this leading up to this, but that never happened. Oh, man, there was another thing, too. It started just like, no, but this was, like, right after uh, I posted this. I should probably put this there. Um there started to be this rhetoric of this this guy from the scene, Sean Webb, who was like a good dude. Like, and I told you when I started, they would bust balls about my blackness, and they would also let me try jokes that they would try that just came off racist. But if I said it, it would be accepted. So Sean gave me this joke. I did it one time while he was alive, and he saw the response. Then he had a little farewell thing at the club. And in my story I about him, I told that joke because I told it this is a joke that he gave me. And I tried it. And a couple people have done this, like, let me try, like, jokes when I was, like, started. And that's what I'm saying. Like, it was, like, people were very supportive. But, like, right after this video came out on YouTube and got a lot of responses, this narrative started to come up in the scene that, like, I stole Sean's jokes from this dude who would be there sometimes but not all the time. So it's like... And I miss, I'm not so sure on the timeline. This is either before this, part of before this happening or like afterward. But it was just like one thing, like constant things out of Wilmington started being like told when I would move further along. People would call back Wilmington. And then like because of this tape and so much other shit and like these new comics who are being influenced by the older people that are there just off of me building or whatever. And then it's just like all these bullshit lies get conflated. Like Sean Webb, I would never fucking steal a dead comics joke. Like I've have I've had problems with people on a different note for joke stealing. It's just not a match of character. But niggas don't care if they already don't want to like you. They all they need is like one of these little rumors. Now I sound like I'm complaining. That's not what I wanted. Uh, yeah, I was in town to put together a play. So I was here after bouncing around from different scenes. And, uh, yeah, just trying new material. Oh, and once uh, when I came back, Timmy had told me that, like, I need to ease into the uh, certain jokes that are about race because it makes it a little difficult for people to uh, take in, like, these white Southern audiences. So, like, that was good advice, and that, like, led to the Miranda slide and shit. So I was very surprised at his reaction to this. But I wasn't surprised based off of how things were for me socially. And, you know, I guess it was just out of my control. Listening to the set, it sounded like you did really well. Folks were laughing and the audience stood up for you. Why do you think you were banned? It was uh, banned after the video came out. And I had like a real, like right after, uh, the my, one of my best friends uh, at the time uh, was there. He recorded it because he was going up after me, poor soul. Uh, it would be such an awkward set to follow. But he um, recorded it, so I walked out. I was like, oh, shit. Well, this is something, you know? This is something to hold on to, you know? So I uh, basically was at a point where I was like, Timmy did feel the need to apologize, so he came up and gave me, like, a half-ass apology. He basically said... Um, that's how I felt at the moment, so that's what I said. But I'm also apologizing because that's how I feel now. Which isn't like an apology. You're not taking any responsibility for unfairly stifling me. And let me not even get like started on how many times white people said nigger on stage. Like I, a lot of times it, when I was 
coming up, I just had to deal with the N-word being said by these white people who only be really comics like that. But me snapping off and going crazy, I would like look like a nigga or whatever. And the reason that, like, one of the reasons that, like, I put it out was because after that half-assed apology, I asked for, like, I was like, I want a headline before I leave again because we were going to move after a few months. Uh, he said no, and so I put that bitch out. And another thing just, like, what made me start to get real uh, tired of that place was I had a, a my where my girl was staying, the roommate was like in an abusive situation. So we would wake up at night and like hear this dude beating her ass. So it took a lot of like time to convince her to go to the authorities about this. And we all at some point didn't feel safe about this shit. And this dude worked with her. So he was still like around. There was plenty of times that I seen him. This is like a cool dude. I used to uh, sell him weed. So I kind of, no, I'm just kidding. But he was like steroided out, you know, bigger than me. Shit, I, I was afraid of the nigga. But we was like cool. But then once this started happening, he was just like, my girl didn't feel safe. You know what I mean? And he would always be trying to like talk to me about the shit. But I just had to be like, yo, bro, like you been, you was wilding out. So, it's a small area so we tried to say hey if you see this guy here will you let us know you know because my girl's a comic at the point at the time uh i think she's whatever my girl at the time was a comic so we wanted to still be able to go to the club and we asked like you know could you let him know if he's here let us know if he's here so we don't have to come here and they were like no we can't do that for you and at that point i'm just like regardless of all the bullshit like about how people feel about me and like my attitude like the girl that I'm with doesn't feel safe and y'all can't take any of the measures to make sure like if it wasn't me like it was a white bitch like not like one of your own you know what I'm saying so it's like why if it wasn't me I feel like that would be easily done because that's not a ridiculous thing to ask anywhere else you go People will try to protect people that don't feel safe if an abusive, crazy, drugged-out person is around. So after that, I was like, this place don't really have my best interest, so if I'm, I'm just going to be like, I want to I wanna headline. If I can't headline, then I'm posting this shit. And I posted this shit, and it got a lot of responses. I still worked the club after that, but uh, after I went away again, they had to change the narrative. So when I came back, I found out that I was banned. Like, it... <laughs> The way they have made the story in Wilmington, if you ask people there that, like, don't know me, they will tell you crazy shit about me that's just, like, simply untrue. But all the shit that I'm saying, like, can be backed up. You could check it out with the people who I'm talking about. Even my ex could probably tell you, even though she doesn't like me, this has added to bad shit about my reputation over the past. Like, you know, it's, uh, that's why I got banned, because I put out this video. You've lived and done comedy all over the country. What was what happened in Wilmington a unique experience? Well, uh, Wilmington is uh, known uh, for Michael Jordan having one of the first like successful insurrections where a whole bunch of white people were mad that the mostly mixed race and black uh, uh, city council were voted in. So then they rounded up a whole bunch of uh, white people with guns and then they killed every black person they saw in town and ran them out of town and took their land and like gave it to the bank and had this big thing and put their own people in or whatever. And we have a park named after this person. So Wilmington has a very racist history but part of me thought that I could escape that what I was the liberation I was getting for being able to be on stage and share art with people was a bit of a trade-off for the racism that I dealt with coming up in the scene in Wilmington so I just like pretty much let it slide 
Short answer, no. Like, I guess I can't really say that it was. I've often have been, like, checked in ways about stuff that I say on stage by white people about black stuff that I do. Like, I've been told by bookers, like, I don't know, maybe you could headline, but I don't know if they want to hear, like, hey, I'm a black guy over and over again. Which is like, is this something you would say to a fat person who's doing comedy or to a woman? And, like, these are in supposedly, like, white liberal areas. So... (laughs) In in the like that's the why I'm do a lot of I do now a lot of material about like white liberals and white conservatives and them just being like the same way but different. Like in Portland, I um, showed up drunk, and that's just how we did it in the South. And niggas was just like uncomfortable with it, so they were looking for a reason not to like me from that first level of uncomfortability. Because if there's like a black man who is doing something that you don't understand, or is coming from a place that you don't understand, or has an energy that you don't get, like I say nigga a lot, you know what I'm saying? But I'm well read, I can talk to you about certain uh, white people shits or whatever you want to call it. So it's like to be so strange to them, it makes them uncomfortable, you know? Like the person that I had a problem with uh, online about the all-female show one time i tried to ask her like hey i'm a uh been i'm interested in going back to school and trying to do paralegal uh you're a lawyer you know she's like oh well i never use a paralegal and like that's like i'm trying to go to you for advice like as a person and you're not giving me no and like the dismissive tone of it you know of course you maybe don't use a paralegal but you can tell me something about a pathway or an interest in law or what i could be doing things i could fucking read just like comedy we help each other out but none of that like if if, a, if you're a young black kid and a teacher doesn't like you you're always going to get that angle like there's always going to be some sort of tension there you're going to be like ah oh, she's picking on me and other people like is she really picking on you you'll be like yes i'm being picked on but no one wants to believe you because you're also a bit of an upsetting force oh god but anyway i they eventually found out in portland a reason not to like what i did because i used to do a joke about drag queens which i used to do at a drag show and would get standing o's and i've had notes written by drag queens uh that they love the joke uh, people of the trans community that they loved the joke, but a whole bunch of comics got together and had this thing. All they had to say in these little groups uh, is, "I have a transphobic joke," and then they could say that all the other stuff about I was drunk, so I was abrasive or whatever the fuck they may have interpreted me as. And like I had a problem with the person that put me on the show because she had other people in her ear and I get was like trying to run the show, but me being drunk and shit probably didn't help. And we squashed that shit. But the people that weren't there did so much work on the internet that it was like I couldn't do anything about it. People just weren't booking me and weren't going to tell me why. I didn't have the opportunity to not do that joke, a joke I don't tell anymore because that's what happens with jokes. You try shit and then you move on if it doesn't work. Like it's not worth all this shit. So it's like, what is this really about? I know moving around to different scenes definitely makes you like a target to being picked on on top, like because people don't like outsiders, especially these Pacific Northwest areas where they pride themselves on being like uh, socially like they'll shun you if you aren't part of them. But yeah, I mean stuff like stuff like what happened in Wilmington has like this is where all this shit started. That's the point of me trying to really get all of this out in this forum on this platform, the People's Report that you and I do, Amber, 
because uh, it's, it's this where I can just point to people and pretty much get all this shit out. So if I'm rambling at times, that's why. I just want to make sure I cover everything and get all of this out so I never really have to talk about this shit again because it's annoying. And I know it's annoying to hear because it's like people go through levels of this all the time. But like in stand-up, something where I honestly thought I could get into and not have to deal with like some of the weirdness of being black in the corporate world, right? I don't have to fucking wear a suit. I don't have to, you know could not smoke weed you know I, I i can just get into this be who i am figure out who i am i can exist in this but it's like there's been so many things that have like people have either said some stuff to me like what happened on this tape or heard something that i did and and somebody else tells them about it so then it's just like a narrative that's not based off truth it's based off a third-hand account and then like that it hasn't been fucking exclusive. And the fact that I was still able to work that club after I put out this video because he knew it was wrong. But then when I left and came back, people probably coming in and asking about that sort of shit. So then you got to tell them that I was the problem to make you look good because they were really worried about that affecting the club. Do you think as white folks have decided to become more aware or should I say can no longer easily ignore the history of trauma black folks experience that this type of thing won't happen again? On uh, micro and macro levels, there are efforts that stop black people from entering into certain fields. And I've just seen uh, by traveling black people who struggle to get into like these wider shows, like how segregated a lot of these shows are. And like I've whatever. I don't know if you want to call it fortunate. I'm just trying to do all the stages. I don't want to play with all the players. You know what I mean? So I've been able to bounce back and forth. And I met some people in certain areas who for some reason they they can't navigate the white scenes in a certain way. So there's, there's going to be efforts of people trying to stop you from shining, like if you are what we are. A few, um, I think a year or so or a few months after this personal incident with me, uh, there was a moment where they really, there was a moment that I was very much jealous of. They had a, fe they had a festival and a black woman was there and she saw a trans white person say nigger on stage. And this became a news story. The Star News uh, hit, reached out to me. Uh, I, I tried to share this story with them and they just did not do it justice because the way the story that came out was Dead Crow was defending people's rights to freedom of speech. And the quote that they used was just like something to back up that point somehow so i was fucking pissed that i did that so this is the last time or this is the only way i'm gonna be talking about this shit again but they said oh this white this white trans person could say nigger and a whole bunch of other stuff because they were making a joke but i have to sit and so that's my experience that was my experience so this is like that's why i think it's going to keep happening i had to sit in the audience watch a whole bunch of white people say nigger i had to sit in the audience and watch this white woman talk a whole bunch of shit about black men in a way talk about black stereotypes so that's why in the beginning of the set i go up like that and i'm doing those sort of jokes because i i, be, I was I, I was fed up with that shit and it's something that we have to have to go through like they get to do they get to say whatever they want and we don't and for a while it was a trade-off i thought like fucking Patrice would say, like we get to say whatever we want and nigga, cracker, fucking whatever we want. And y'all have to just sit there and take it like that for some reason over the last few years has been taken away from us to where I can't talk about my own experience without getting scolded. But somebody who isn't a nigga says nigga and you publicly say that that's OK and that's what y'all stand on. That, that what else can I point to and say when people uh, may listen to this and be like, oh, 
He's just going to complain about the black shit. But at a certain point, like, what else can I point to and say? No matter how much they want to pretend like they understand, there's something subconscious, or maybe they're smarter than that. I think a lot of people that don't have me on this shit is because of the jokes that I do. I'm not making black people the punchline. And I've been on shows with black people who make black people the punchline. Like, Kevin Hart has to have a whole fucking big uh, uh, build-up to say he's going to do a special he doesn't give a fuck. So that you see how long he's been making a career by giving a fuck? For when I started off, I, like, I started at 19. And for a while, I was like, don't give a fuck and find your voice that way. And I'm thankful that I did that. I was able to travel the country with just, like, a belief in truth and getting a laugh with my truth and my truth is just like i am this but you know we are all love we are all one hippie shit is really what i'd be trying to put out there but if you don't want your audience to know you know black people are diverse and aren't all one thing and you know we don't just like white liberals or you know the chances i take i have a joke that says kill whitey machine in it so even if i can understand how a white person wouldn't want somebody like me up on this shit and if you can't say we can't have him on here because he's not funny you can try to make up something about some moment or some off moment somebody said like we at the end of the day we all have fucking beef and friction with people and i'm also very open to talking about it i don't know why you would feel the need to be afraid of me but they never will tell you what it is that happened. Like, even all the shit that I can say now, I had to find out later. No one will ever be like, Reed, you did this and it made me uncomfortable. And I can be like, man, I'm so sorry. I will never do that again. I understand where you're coming from. Maybe I shouldn't have did that. Here's where I'm coming from. If you want to hear it, they don't give you that opportunity. Like the beef that I had with the person on the internet. I um, apologize to them. I came out here to D.C., and they were out here in D.C., and lo and behold, a couple months later, I posted up in a group chat, like, he's been something-something for, uh, what was it, fucking bad behavior, I think. And I heard, and I had, like, luckily I had friends in that group chat who showed it to me so I could try to confront it. But the funny part is the person that posted it was about to do my show that day. So she was about to take money from me to get paid, but then warn people in a group chat to stay away from me. And maybe that makes sense to someone. But again, what else can I look at to, for this to be? And some black women in the, uh, that group are trying to have my back, but then some black women uh, shunned me and like, wouldn't talk to me and stuff like that. And like, today, there's a black woman that like, wants to perpetuate this because at this point, the rumor is like, five Me Too's in five different areas. And it all goes back to this video because then people who, when I would be moving in, they would call Wilmington, they would say this stuff. And after a few times of saying shit, but I'm still getting booked, you really got to meet shit up. And I have been a dick on stage to women i was a big fan of patrice o'neill if anything i have said stuff that was very abrasive but always for the sake of getting a joke always for a punchline i've never put my hands on or crossed any physical boundaries with anyone anyone that has had sex to me has been a uh, enthusiastic uh has been enthusiastically consensual if it was five and five, I've been to five different states and people say shit like bad behavior and then that just gets blown up into me too, which also isn't anything. There is no person that I've ever, has ever been named or has discussed. And I know people who dated people who were saying shit about me and trying to perpetuate it. And they could know the name, but don't know the name. If they already don't like you, you can't give them a reason not to like you. And I've historically been good at giving people a reason not to like me because 
I'd go about life unfiltered because I thought that, you know, entertainment was... Something's entertainment about the nigga that just always says what's on his mind. That's what I've tried to be, my version of that. And I'm not sorry about hurting anybody's feelings. I'm just sorry that there are going to be black people who are, like, rougher than me, you know? More direct than me. Less concerned about how they're coming off than I am now. Who are going to try to get into comedy and then have people spreading seeds of rumors about them from oh he cut me off he cuts me off a lot you know she made fun of my clothes for a long time she heckled me on stage he said some shit about me uh while i was on stage i got a better laugh than my act and then they use these things to keep brown people from brown and black people from getting booked on shows that's like fucked up I know, like, times are tense and shit like that when it comes to believing people and, like, stories and shit, but, like, to to neglect to remember the context that just a few generations ago there was a serious case of someone losing their life, you know? And honestly, comedy, in a way, with the very limited things that I've allowed myself to do and, like, not finishing school and dropping out all the times I dropped out of, a lot of times when I was dealing with this shit, I felt like comedy is my life and people are making me lose my life. And I would reach out to people to be like, hey, man, you're a girl, you fucking, we have a really good connection. We've known each other for a while. Will you please publicly come out and have my back on this shit? But these people don't want to lose their bookings. And that's all that it is. It's a a cycle of people that could be like, oh, uh, I don't like this person for a moral reason. And then that person will wind up getting booked on things, throwing somebody else under the bus. When it's like, I get it if it's like real facts, bro. But the fact that it could happen and it wasn't based off of facts, I can speak from that point, And that's so fucking unfortunate because I do think that I only want to make people happy with the art that I'm doing. So it's very, it's a tough place to be in to where my truth is a truth that no one wants to hear. I guess that's a point to end on. Whatever. Uh, The People's Report is a great opportunity to uh, say my truth and make the uncomfortable jokes. And it's for the children, and it's for love, and it's for the expandment of the mindment and the...